Hey, this is Joe Benitez. Thank you for listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And we have the other Mario brother... Rostachio. Hey. <laughs> and join us on this episode, we have Mr. Scott. Yo. And I'm CBS. Yes, you are. That's the way that that works as a thing. Uh, see you today. We're doing episode number one, 209. <laughs> Almost caught up a whole 100 episodes there, no mistake. <laughs> and, uh. Time travel. It's something I do love, but not in that manner. Uh, see, books we're going to be going over is Nightwing number 111, Jill and the Killers number 1, and Spider-Punk number 1. Does DC, Oni, and Marvel. Before we do that nonsense, you want to do a little bit of news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Kyle, you want to start us off? Maybe not the big thing. You have something smaller? I only have big things. I don't think I have anything small. I haven't dive. I, 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 I barely read books this week. I, I'm slacking. All right. Well, I, I, I'll start with something then. Okay. Uh, so Neil Gaiman is going to be auctioning off and thinning his collection through Heritage Auctions. Uh, they're be they're planning to do 123 lots, and the uh, auction lot is going to be in display starting in the 11th of March and through the 13th. Uh, one of the lots in particular, Heritage is expecting to garnish around $300,000. It happens to be a couple Watchmen pages from issue 7 oh my gosh. that uh, were gifted to him by both Alan Moore and by uh, Dan Gibson, uh, as the artist and writer of Watchmen, along with a, a handful of other things he's collected through his life. So if you guys are into collecting things that Neil Gaiman would have owned, which only makes it more expensive... Or, you know, looking for things that are one of a kind, because that's exactly what that is. Or you have probably more than $300,000. I think I'm going to say it's more than that. I mean, probably. that's, yeah. yeah. Because it's an auction scenario, yeah. I mean, that's that that's, that's the one of the highlights that listed in there as far as things. But uh, Is it going to charity or is it going to him? Well, so the way I understand it is that he was it was suggested to him to thin his collection by a friend, and now he's doing that. So not charity. <laughs> not anywhere that is noted. Okay. If the charity was uh, Neil Gaiman, then yes. Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman charity. I don't think I mean, he needs charity. I, you know, I, I don't know what the guy's day-to-day life is. I mean, is he feeding caviar to dogs? I don't know. Is that not the right thing to do? They shouldn't be for them anyway. Yeah, that's not a good idea. It's not healthy. Yeah. Not healthy. So, I mean, so there's that. I mean, Heritage Doctrine is going to have a big show starting in the middle of March. So you can go see the auction... Uh, the preview of the auction at the actual headquarters in Dallas. Uh, so if you're in Texas and Dallas area, that is where the uh, stuff will be on display for preview. Then have that bit online. Yeah, you know. Like you do. Mr. Ross? Nice. So uh, they announced something pretty crazy coming from DC is who's publishing it. But they're doing two different omnibuses. Omnibuy? What's the plural of Omnibuy? I think, I think there's Omnibuy. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing both the 
first set of Marvel DC crossovers. So, like, Superman, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Batman, Hulk, I think. The Marvel DC mashups, yeah, yeah. And then the second set is the Age of Amalgam, which is, like, where they actually mixed all the characters. Dark yeah. Claw, and yeah, I remember those. So, pretty crazy coming off of, that was, like, two, three years ago, Super Limited JLA Avengers. Yeah, but they did that one on, as a tribute for, uh... It was a what if, wasn't it? No, it, the the re the release of was, oh gosh, what's his name? He passed away. George Perez. Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah, George was George Perez. Uh, it's hard to say just now. Uh, yeah, George Perez. Uh, his decision of life, um, in order to help raise money for George's family and uh, take care of things, they did that minting of the book. Right. But yeah, as far as the thing, amalgam hasn't been re released as a thing. I don't know, man. Like. 20 years right it's been a long time yeah um speculation is that that jla avengers is also going to get a re-release sometime after that as well because that's not included in either of those omnibuses everything else except for that is but like uh the one i'm excited about i never got a chance to read was new team titans and x-men crossover seems like a cool cool mix up there um there's also some variant covers I don't know if they've announced both of them yet, but at least one of them has a variant done by Jim Lee. And that's kind of crazy because he hasn't really drawn Marvel stuff for, you know, a lot of did in a long time. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I think last time would be The Heroes Reborn, probably. That I can think of in memory. Now, is it possible there's a random cover out there? Sure. But Heroes Reborn is a big deal when him and Rob Layfield went back to Marvel for a minute and did the uh, I don't know reimagining of the Marvel Universe for a second that'll turn into be crazy you know, so. I don't remember it's been it's been before we were ever a store oh okay it's gotta be 90 while back yeah it's a long time ago so like they when they were doing it the idea was that if the world's reimagined by the two of them that's what it was eventually that turned out to be a story where the backdrop of it was that Professor X went crazy because of a demon thing that turned him into Onslaught and then Reed Richard's son, Franklin, decided to save everybody that mattered in Pocket Universe them along with Onslaught, which is kind of dangerous. <laughs> and that created a wholly different world while he dealt with that problem, but wouldn't affect anything outside of it. And then by the end of it, he took everyone with him back to the regular universe, except for Doctor Doom, oh which led to Doom World, which was freaking great for like mm. maybe three issues, maybe? I don't really think that was a proper title, to be honest. It sounds awesome, though. But that's what it was. So Franklin elected to leave Doctor Doom... Anyway, Doom tried to save the people of that world and eventually wound up back in the regular world, which where exactly that happened? Well, there's holes for me in there. I don't know. <laughs> Pieces I don't remember about that. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah, Storm's Jim Lee drawing Marvel stuff as a regular thing. That's the last time I remember him doing it as like a, not a commission or some crazy cover, but. Right, and it sounds like at least the one they announced so far that he's doing the variant for is the Amalgam one. And so it's not him necessarily drawing, like, X-Men or Spider-Man. It's more like the crazy amalgam. It'll be one of the crossovers, yeah. So, but still, yeah, that's a that's a crazy thing that they even worked that out to make it happen again, because I figured we would never have Marvel DC crossover anything mm -hmm. ever again with them both being owned by huge companies now. Well, it does beg the question, like, where exactly that falls. But, I mean, that's neat. What I'm hoping is, if you remember the end of 
was it Doomsday Clock or was it the it was Doomsday Clock, wasn't it? With Where Jeff they had, Jones when and they the... had the predictions and one of the crises was the oh yeah it was I don't remember the exact but the, he basically predicted uh, another Marvel DC crossover at the end of that oh and usually I remember that in like when he does that stuff you usually read it and you're like ah whatever it's just nonsense but then more often than not that actually turns into something later. Now, Jeff Johns doesn't have nearly as big of a hand in DC or Marvel, for that matter, now. But he used to. could be interesting, because it's like when the stuff used to show up on Booster Gold's uh, whiteboard, and you'd be like, it's this nonsense, and then it actually happened. Right. Well, he's he's definitely no Shadamas to himself. That's definitely true. Right. Like, beware the Red Lanterns from the Flash issue, and all that stuff before. What is the Flashpoint? Like, there is a lot of things that's happened with. I mean, there's other ones that haven't really come to fruition yet. Jessica Cruz will be the best Green Lantern. I do like Jessica Cruz. That wasn't a knock on her, but right. being the most powerful one, I don't know. I guess you could argue that because she bent a ring from another universe. I was going to so say, will. didn't self-fulfill that one yet? I'm not sure. You know, I don't know if he has or not. I mean, Jessica is pretty awesome. Right. And she did switch from being green to being yellow, and the, her Green Lantern ring originally was from Earth 3, so it wasn't even a Green Lantern ring. Right. It was a power ring. Yeah. I, you know, I guess that's arguable. I, yeah. Anyhow, Whatever. that would be really cool if that somehow managed to lead into something like that, where we have these reprints of classic stuff, and then one more new story. I kind of doubt that'll happen, but it would be really cool if it did. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it's a neat idea. This guy, you have any experience with the amalgams? I do not. No, not at all? Nope. Man. Man. This is where we got the uh, Dark Claw, which Dark is Batman Claw. mixed Wolverine. Got Lobo the Duck. Yep. Just Howard the Duck and Lobo. That sounds ridiculous. And it is. That's <laughs> totally ridiculous. This my cup of tea. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I I preferred just the Marvel versus DC. Oh, like yeah. that line, I really enjoyed. What, what was it? The uh, oh man, there's a there's a big two pager and it's um the big guys. Man, the Living Tribunal and oh whatever the other new gods. New, yeah, it's what yeah, and they're like next to each other and you just see everybody mm-hmm. coming together it's one of the coolest two-page you know frames ever it's really, really cool yeah really beautiful yeah when it comes to mix match stuff i think my favorite amalgam really was speed demon speed demon i know i've said that on the show before so if you've been listening to the show a long time you've heard this before speed demon was ghost rider and the flash mixed together and he looked awesome mm-hmm. speed demon was cool so cool his costume was awesome it was like the flash with a ghost rider head it was freaking awesome and a character that could easily be something else somewhere else except that marvel and dc own him and that means nothing will ever happen ever but it was awesome so they did like dark claw happened in that but didn't they do like a weird animated version oh yeah of dark claw too? yeah that wasn't a real thing but they almost made you think it was going to be like a and they had a couple of people that got two books so there's a pairing of captain america superman and then superman and captain america and you say aren't those the same thing no. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. Are they the same idea? Yes. Is that where the original Super or original Spider Boy came from? Yeah. The original Spider Boy wasn't this Bailey kid. It was Superboy and Spider Man mixed together. Yeah, I remember that one. Spider Boy. <laughs> not the new kid's bad, the new kid's fine. But yeah. Yeah, I did I did see that as a thing. So I mean if you if it's gonna be like hundred and twenty five bucks a book, right? Pretty sure that's the case. Oh yeah, they're big R covers. They're, yeah, it's a lot of material. So I mean, if you 
if anyone listening is want to get on it, you need to talk to your vendors because, man, it's an expensive book to sit on the shelf. Yeah, it's a pre-order item for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easily. Uh, like, I don't know if this thing, this doesn't trump whatever you got over there, Tyler. So, and this might seem like maybe we'll skip the last piece I got. What do you, what do you got over there? You want me to go? Yeah. So we're recording today on February 28th. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know what tomorrow is? February 29th. Which is, is Superman's birthday. Oh, hey. It is Superman's birthday tomorrow. Yeah. That's awesome. So the big rumor mill is that James Gunn. Will make okay. some sharing of what the suit looks like, or some something. Some nice. where the media is hoping that something happens tomorrow. Um, I'm big on the new DCU stuff and what's happening. I'm constantly following all these rumors, and I get excited. But um, the hope is that we get to see something other than just his crest, which we got to see a couple weeks ago, which we talked about last episode. Right. Um, there was a picture of the table read for the uh, movie that came that, out. Yeah, that, that's what I was talking. We with talked about it last week. Nathan Fillion and everyone in it. Oh, the, with the whole cast. Yeah, the yeah. photo. So the idea is, from what I understand, or the, what pundits, I guess, are saying, is that it's very, very possible that James Gunn took a look at what Snyder was doing and said, "Okay, you want to do Injustice? I'm going to trump you right now, and I'm going to do Kingdom Come." So it's very possible. Yeah. yeah, it's very possible that that is where we could end up down the road. And judging from the S that was on the scripts and on people's names, it is very, very kingdom come looking. All you needed was to put black behind it and it would be the same thing. That's all crazy. That's cool. One can hope. We can we can cross our fingers and hope. <laughs> yeah, I did have a sharp edges on that. Yes, that's yes. true. Jeez. Well, that's crazy. I didn't necessarily come put those two things together. You didn't put the kingdom come thing together? Well, I saw this. I just figured it was overly stylized for the sake of it. Yeah. But those sharp corners, it's it. yeah, that is what that is. It's it, man. man. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah, like I like. Okay, we'll see how it goes. It would also explain Guy Gardner being around because it's not necessarily what you normally would cast. It explains a lot of things because we don't have an origin story. He's not going to do Superman one. He's going to be Superman who's gone through a couple years of being Superman. He has other superheroes, Guy Gardner. He has Mister Terrific. He has Hawk Girl. I mean, there's going to be a plethora of superheroes that are already rare. Right. So all you have to do is turn, take a right turn, and oh my gosh, we have too many superheroes. How do we fix that? And then that's how you jump into Kingdom Come. Nice. Yeah. It's very possible that Chapter 1, whatever there is, Gods and Monsters, could end with Kingdom Come, or maybe further on down, I don't know. That would be crazy. That'd be really cool, though. we be interested to see what the truth of that is. I don't know if I see that as the full launch of the beginning of the universe, but I guess... It could be the end. It could be the end, that's true. Man, that's wild. I can't believe you didn't put that together. Now, well, I saw it and I didn't think much. I I texted it to you. I was like, you got to look at this. Yeah. I thought you'd get it right off the bat. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a mistake on my part. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I still have doubts about that, but okay. Okay. I mean, this, their Superman is too young to be right for that, but you give him a few years, that's the end, then okay. And it would be a bigger step than Injustice. It would. Is it the right step? I don't know, but James has done everything else, so in James we trust? No. In Gun We Trust. Only me, Gun. Nope. Gun We Trust. Gun We Trust. So hear me out on this. What if we have two Superman? What if we have... Oh, yeah, easily. Like an older one cast that we don't know about yet. Sure. It's... Have you looked at that kid that's the cast to play Superman? Corn, next, corn Sweat? Corn Sweat. Next to Henry Cavill? Yes. They look so samey. They do, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm... they look so samey. Cavill has a bigger frame. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. He's absolutely jacked. That guy's huge. Yeah. 
but I mean, they do look very, very similar. Right. So, I mean, okay. Maybe, maybe some from there. I don't know. Let me really see. That also sounds like crazy talk to me. But, uh, you know. Whatever. Our favorite kinds to you. I mean, that's true. That's mostly true. <laughs> if you want to get crazier talk, there's another talk about Netflix trying to pick up the rest of Zack Snyder's Justice League and finishing that story. What? Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. They're very interested. That's crazy. Will they be able to get everybody? Probably not, but they're interested in completing it in some way, even if it's animated. That would be... I'd be surprised if they could manage to do rights and stuff for that. That'd be way crazy. Although it seems like Warner Brothers these days is more like, eh, whoever will pay for yep. it, they can have it. They are trying to figure stuff out, for uh-huh. sure. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, prior to all these uh, mm-hmm. lawsuits and write-off movies. Yeah, write-off movies. I would told you no. Right. But because of that, and if you, the whole reason Marvel was so separated in the first place in the movie franchises is because they're trying to Toy Biz was trying to keep from going under Chapter 13 or Chapter 11, which it wanted to be 11 usually, yeah. And uh, that's when they started selling movie rights to just whoever. And back then, Toy Biz owned Marvel, so it's a little bit more Wild Westy, I guess. But that's kind of the same thing we got going on right now with some of the Warner Brothers stuff. That is, uh, man, I you know, as a thing, when they first announced he was going to finish the Snyder Cut, I thought that was crazy then. <laughs> I think that's even crazier. I know, right? CBS, I would slap you straight in the mouth to see this happen. You know how much I love <laughs> I know, the Snyder I know. world. I love the darkness. I think it's so good. That last little bit with Joker and you know Batman doing their thing in that apocalypse world, I am in. If that happens, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Like, I don't... Yeah, that's... Uh... So I have another little bit of nonsense news. It's probably not really news because it already started happening. Um, kind of weird out there thing. But so McDonald's right now is doing a promotion called McDonald's, which I was like, what the heck is this? And I'm sure if we have big anime fans listening, it probably rings more true with that. And it took me doing research to figure it out. But they're doing this whole big anime manga promotion with it where I guess like to skirt copyrights in manga and anime they would have Wickdonald's instead of McDonald's so they'd flip their M upside down and have a W. So now McDonald's is doing like oh just kidding that's actually been us this whole time and they're doing like a special sauce or something with it too but all the bags have manga on them and you can go online and watch a little two minute anime for each week and that's interesting it's a crazy turn for something like that that i would have never expected to see coming so that is wild the wick donalds i I get them taking responsibility for something they didn't do oh yeah but it's kind of a genius move on their part it really is yeah i looked it up it like showed up in cowboy bebop the movie and uh inuasha and loop in the third like it happened in all these things all over the place and that's all it was it was like a copyright skirting sure let's put mcdonald's on this but not it can't be the real thing huh. so yeah that's also questionable i mean okay is it is the sauce what's what's the one rick and morty like it's, it's not szechuan sauce that's too bad but it's it's a similar 
very Asian-centric Japanese type of sauce. I think it's like savory chili sauce or something. I, tr- I tried some, it was okay, but the crazy thing is the anime thing that they have going on with <laughs> it, so. Man, I'm happy to McDonald's. <laughs> so I can get bags, that's stupid. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, okay, that's crazy. Yeah, insane news. Tyler, you got a little more? Uh, no, I don't think so. No? I don't think so, do you? I mean... Not the same as what... I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a tiny piece. Uh, you said you had some big Trump card here. No, no, it was a Trump card. Oh. Trump card, well, the Neil Diamond thing was the big thing. That's about a big money. thing, yeah. I, you had a Trump card because I was saying about Diddy. Oh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But, uh, go go look up Diddy, people. It's, it's, it's not good news. Don't, yeah. It's bad news. For, bad news, yeah. Bad Children, news. don't go look it up. Yeah. Bad news for, for him. Bad news for him. You know, yeah, bad news. Yep. Uh, this is bad news too, though. So I mean, it's not. But it's not the same kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, news. man. That segue go. I mean, almost, almost worked, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the proper way to do it. Close enough. Uh, so Richard Lewis passed away at seventy-six yeah, two days ago. Richard, uh, most known for being a stand-up comic um, mm-hmm. and movie and TV, uh, he uh, portrayed a version of himself on the uh, TV series. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and, uh... And it's I, last season right now? It is, yeah, it is last season right now. Um, and, uh, I, I think our audience will probably know him real well from Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, where he played Prince John with the ever-moving mole. Uh, the guy had a lot of bit parts and a lot of different things, and did a ton of cameos and shows. Um, so... So, yeah, he, uh, he had a heart attack. Um, that's, uh... That is, uh, as of like two days ago. So. Imagine if you look him up, you'll know his face, whether you knew his name or not. Um, but there's that. So not like, not good news. Yeah, that's too bad. I do have one more piece of news. All right. That'll get us out of this That'll be excellent. bad news slump. That'd be excellent. So <laughs> again, with the Warner Brothers theories, done, this is actually fact is that the, there was, um, and if you're a fan of Batman or Batman Beyond, you probably saw this. There was concept art that was let out by Warner Brothers for a Batman Beyond animated film. And the writers slash creators who did Into the Spider-Verse pitched it to Warner Brothers and they said no. That and, is insane. Yes. And fans are losing it. They're like, yeah. are you kidding? Yeah, everyone wants to see. Choice. Yeah. Everyone wants to see that. So... They, I don't know why they released that to the public. Maybe to be, they like to be shamed. I don't know, but apparently they've already said that that's not going to happen. Hopefully, maybe, maybe it'll get all the way up to James Gunn and he'd be like, it's just an animated thing. Just do it. Yeah. The people want that. I almost wonder if that was like a testing ground of, oh, we'll put this out and we'll see how very possible upset people get over it. Go, go online, you know, listeners go online and check out the, 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 the art that they put out there that's official Warner Brothers stuff. It is, so beautiful it is so yeah cyberpunk futuristic amazing stuff it it looks really exciting so yeah um yeah maybe it was a tease and they thought i wonder how many people are really interested in this uh so well what's interesting is i i feel like batman beyond has always been like the movie that should happen that never has we've had this conversation ross with this this man right here so many times i know it's i know it's it's tough so maybe, maybe this was not how I would have expected that movie to happen, 
Well, that well, the, could be awesome. The so. plan was for uh, Michael Keaton to, if the DCEU continued, was to do a Batman Beyond. He he said he was down to do it. Right, right. And then obviously, you know, the trigger got pulled to reboot it. Switch it all up. Uh-huh. It's another gun joke. It is. A, but I'm bummed. I'm on it tonight. It's kids to the stuff. So speaking of Batman... As we do. Oh, As I we see. do. That was a setup. Yeah. Ah, wow, well, okay then. <laughs> Any more news in the, in the circle here? <laughs> no? That was a good segue, though. <laughs> What'd you say, Ross? Uh, speaking of Batman. Oh, moving to the first book of the night. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Bum, bum, bum. We Nightwing number 111. Mr. Brown, you want to tell me a little bit about Nightwing? I do. I'll tell you about the good book this week instead of last week when I had to do the terrible one. <laughs> it's funny because they're in the same wheelhouse. They, they, they are. They are. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Nightwing 111, um, written by Tom Taylor. Artist is Sammy Basiri. Basiri. Uh, we open in Gotham City. We hear um, classic, you know, Batman inner monologue. He's talking about there's a scream in the city and then it stops all of a sudden. We see a man... He has a very, very large hole in his chest, and he's bleeding from his mouth, and he falls to the ground. Batman's inner dialogue continues, and he says it takes 84 seconds to get to the scene. It's too long for the victim, and he approaches the victim, and he's dead. Um, there's a gaping wound in his chest, and he says, I know the work. Um, the killer's still here, and he turns around to face the killer, but it's not the killer. It's his little boy, the gentleman who just passed away and he says there's a child it's not the killer from there we go there's a child the inner monologue and we see bruce being comforted by jim gordon there's a child we see him being delivered to alfred there's a child we see dick grayson's parents the flying grayson's of course fallen and bruce being at the circus when it happened there's a child he's just repeating this to himself over and over again it's showing all the different scenarios, how samey they are, and, yep. and now here we have another one. It's a timeless tale, and it's it it's really profound in this book, and it it I really enjoy it. Um, we we see the fair, or excuse me, the 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 carnival circus. We're at the circus. Circus. This is still during the same it's time. The carnival and circus uh, rides. Okay, all right. So carnival has rides. Animals circus rides. The carnival uh, circus has animals. Carnival has people animals. It's, it's true because we're the animals. Oh, okay. At the carnival, as I can, as you can tell, I don't go to a lot of carnivals, but or circuses for that matter. Uh, anyway, so we're at the circus. Uh, we see a butler there, and he says, "Excuse me, uh, is the circus over already?" And the a gentleman says, two performers fell." And the butler says, "Are they all right?" And this little boy says, "Hopefully, they're dead." Everyone was screaming, but you could still hear them hit the ground. Best thing ever. And this butler's like, "It's hardly appropriate for a young man." This is a completely different butler, a completely different kid, and his father walking away. Um, from there, we move to Bruce walking to um, Alfred. He says, Master Bruce, he says, are you all right? He says, no, Alfred, there's a child. From there, we move to Oracle laying in bed. She gets a ring on her phone, says, Batman. And he says, I can't reach Nightwing. She says, "Uh, he, he's in the shower. Batman says, I see. Your shower? She goes, yes. He says, he's in Gotham. Good. 
and you hear a thud, thud, thud. And she goes, what's that noise? Sounds like goons. And then Batman's punching the heck out of some goons. He goes, yep, it's goons. Uh, can you ask Nightwing to meet me? And Oracle says, you're on, you're on the docks. And he says, yes, an illegal small arm, arms deal. I want to be subtle with them before the police arrived at the scene to avoid potential casualties. And she says, you need backup? No, I just need to talk. Nightwing steps out of the shower with his towel and says, what's the matter? And uh, we hear Batman say, uh, I think Heartless has come to Gotham. We move to Nightwing, speeding through the streets. He meets Bruce at the uh, docks where this small arms deal is going down. He does an amazing acrobatic thing off of his bike, takes out a couple dudes, dives off of it, and of course, you know, in perfect fashion. We have Batman's monologue, Dick Grayson. Alfred once described him as the greatest, as my greatest success. Batman says, I think your problem has moved cities. Again, Batman's inner monologue, because Alfred was always too generous. Um, I had to remind him that he was ours, the boy we raised together. Nightwing says, no, no new victims. Um, Oracle has eyes on the streets, and we've patrolled it every night in Bloodhaven. Um, they're talking about basically, you know, that this, what was it, Heart, Heart? Heartless. Thank you, Heartless. I was going to say Heart Killer. Heartless um, is back. Dick says, uh, there's only been one known, uh, one known Heartless killing in, uh, in, since Blockbuster. Uh, B, B's father, I heard. And Batman says, if you see her, and uh, Dick says, I'll pass on my condolences. Batman says, thank you. And he says, will you be seeing B? And he says, I don't mean to judge. And Dick says, judging shows that you care. It's appreciated. Babs and I are, are, are great. Don't you worry. They continue moving on. They're headed towards the crime scene of where um, Heartless was, was attacked the man. Um, Dick says, I think Heartless has been hiding. He says, Batman says, of course he is. Since you moved the Titans to Bloodhaven, people uh, flying in the sky, teleporters, a man who can move faster than sound would give most serial killers pause. Um, so they're headed to the crime scene and they're talking about Renee Montoya has the boy from the crime scene whose, whose father was killed by Heartless. Um, he says, I'm going to need you to go in and talk to this kid because I can't. Um, which I thought was really cool. It was really, really kind of a vulnerable moment. Anyways, um, she's there with Montoya. Montoya says, you know, I want every piece of intel you have on Heartless. And Dick says, you'll get it, Commissioner. Um, it's frustrating. Not a lot, but I'll share what we have. She says, can I talk to Eco? His name is I-K-O. Eco? That's what I was saying. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, Eco. Uh, this is the, the boy whose father was killed. And she says, just you? And Batman says, I frightened the boy enough at the scene. Nightwing, it's better to be suited for this. And Montoya says, thank you for not turning this into a big thing, Batman. You can watch outside the room. Nightwing says, is he by himself? Officer Brooks is with him. Uh, his mother died in a car accident a few years ago. He has an uncle who's on the way, and he's his legal guardian. Um, Dick says, great. I'm glad the boy won't be alone for long. From there, we flash back to um, Bruce and Alfred talking in the manor. Um, did you reach Matt? Did you read Master Richards a story? And uh, Bruce says he can read already. Alfred. Alfred says I'm well aware he can read, and far beyond his range, he reminds me of someone at that age. It's about shared experience, Master Bruce. Comfort. I remember a boy who couldn't fall asleep unless I was in the room. My back still hurts from all those years, all those nights sitting in a chair by your bed. And Bruce says I'm sorry. 
And Alfred says, don't be sorry, ever. I do not resent a single moment by your side. Here, take this. And he hands Bruce a book and book says, he's reading Tolkien? Isn't it a little young? Isn't he a little young for him? Isn't that a, uh, uh, isn't that a little dot, dot, dot young for him? Uh, no, uh, no one is too old to enjoy a Muppet who doesn't realize he's a monster until the end of his story. Um, from there, we come back to Dick, who's walking in to speak with Ico at um, what I, I guess is still the police station. Um, he's being held. Um, he comes in. He says, hey, Ico, I'm and this little boy. Ico says, you're Nightwing, you're Nightwing. And he runs to him, gives him this giant hug. And he says, you're on my pencil case. And you can tell this kid is just heartbroken. He's so excited to see a friendly face. Montoya and uh, Bruce watch from, you know, behind double glass. Uh, Ten minutes later, we have them playing video games together. And the kid's like, you're so good at this. And Nightwing's like, come on, man, you're carrying me. And the kid says, Ico says, I'm always telling, or my dad tells me I played too much. He, I'm sorry, I want to be brave in front of you. And uh, Dick says, Ico, I can, can I tell you a secret? And Ico's wiping away tears. And he says, uh-huh. He says, it happened to me too. I lost my parents when I was about your age. And the kid, Iko says, uh, did it ever stop hurting? And Dick says, not really, but life kept going. People came along who loved me just as much. Whatever happens next, you won't be alone, I promise. I'm going to catch this person that did this to you. And Iko says, good. He says, I know it's hard to tell, but or I know this is hard, but can you tell me anything about what the person looked like? Iko says he was wearing a mask and a big coat. He says, did he say anything? And he says, no, he didn't say anything. Uh, from there, we get a knock on the door. It is Iko's uncle. Um, and he's like, hey, obviously they're kind of estranged. He's like, kind of like, uh, I don't, you know, know this guy really well, but I'll go with him. Um, he says goodbye to Nightwing. Um, Nightwing, Dick, Dick comes up to, um, this uncle and says, uh, you're not close. And the uncle says, no, um, not really. I have no idea what I'm going to do with him. Dick kind of lays out these parameters, which are really sweet. He says, he's probably going to be afraid a lot, afraid of the dark, afraid of strangers, of unfamiliar places. He'll need comfort, routine, reassurance. Do you have enough to support him? And the uncle says his parents were very wealthy. He says, "Good. You'll have to uh, you'll have to be everything for him for the next bit. You have to be his security. He's lost, and read him stories." In my experience, that helps. From there, we get the double other side of the double pain, and it's Batman, and he has this very sweet smile across his face. Uh, from there, they head to the crime scene. Sorry, the yeah crime scene. Um, they're looking at. He says, "Any or they're." looking they're on top of the bat signal sorry uh batman says anything and he says yeah heartless didn't talk um he's always spoken before any time this has happened um he wanted to know about the pain he was causing batman says and dick says exactly something about this doesn't seem right i want to examine the body um batman shoots up his grapple and he says um i can get into the coroner's office and dick looks at him he says i can't jump um, he says, something's going on with me. I've been afraid of heights, started freezing, panicking. Bruce says, when did this start? He says, a few weeks ago. It's worse now. Bruce says, why didn't you tell me? He says, when could I have told you? In the middle of a turf war or when you turned into a wolf? You can still swing if you want to. Batman says, nah, we'll take the stairs. From there, they're in the coroner's office. Um, this is a great shot of out of the wound looking at, at to into uh, Dick and um, Bruce's face. Dick says, part of the heart is still here. Um, it seems kind of clumsy. Um, the wound is jagged, which is unlike 
anything that Heartless has done before, Batman's like, this is a copycat. There's no way. Um, he says, we need to talk. Dick says, we need to talk to Ico again and ask him for detailed descriptions, see if there are any discrepancies. Bruce says it's 3 a.m. and he's lost his father today. Dick says, you're right. This can wait till morning. From there, we have Ico. Um, in the car, he's fallen asleep. Um, and his uncle has picked him up. Um, he says, hey, get up. Um, if you need to go to the bathroom now, we're not staying here tonight. They go into a house. And Ico says, huh, why not? And the uncle screams at him because Nightwing's involved now. He says, Uncle Locke. And, I, and this uh, Uncle Locke says, I've worked so hard and you've risked everything. The last thing I need is a superhero looking too closely. Um, get up, get in the car. Ico says, I don't want to. He says, I don't care. Where are we going? He says, where you'll actually be useful and you're on your way there. You will shut your little mouth. Say nothing. You understand me? And uh, from there we have Batman inner monologue, which says uh, Nightwing won't rest until he investigates all night. And he knows that no matter what we do, we can't save them all. And it ends right there. To be continued. Bum, bum, bum. Mr. Tyler, what'd you think of that book? <clears throat> Sorry, I needed a drink. It's a five out of five for me. I love the art. The story really tugs at your heartstrings at multiple points. It has that classic Dick and Bruce banter while still having a lot of really, really um, heartfelt moments that I think are super special. Um, the killer is very cool. I've never, I've never heard of Heartless before, or I have it, but it's been a long time. I don't remember a lot, but um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. It's the book of the night for me. Five out of five. Excellent. Thanks for giving me a good DC book. <laughs> well, you know, they can't all be. They can't all be winners. That's what the that's what the man said. Uh, well, yeah, Heartless has been around for a minute. It's been like Nightwing's, not Joker, but it's one of Nightwing's main bad guys. And the thing about all these signs tell us it's not really Heartless. Right. But I have a strong suspicion that we're going to find out the kid at the circus with the blonde hair, the little kid about the fall. Mm probably is and we don't have a lot of backstory on heartless so if that's not who that is i'd be super surprised uh mr ross you read the nightwing what do you think of the nightwing oh i thought it was awesome too i i'd probably give it a four and a half out of five it was it was way up there it was one of those books that reminded me why i like nightwing as a character um yeah there's so many cool moments i i loved when he went to meet the kid you could see like oh, this is where, how Bruce raised me, but I'm doing it a totally different way with this kid, and yeah. Reminded me a lot of, like, when I started reading uh, the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin with Nightwing raising Damien, basically, and had their interaction. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in there. There's just so many special moments. Yeah. It just, I, again, it really, as a dad, it really pulled at my heartstrings. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's really, you don't... You don't get that all the time, and when you do, they're very, very special moments. Uh huh. Well, did you give it a score, Ross? Yeah, four and a half. Four and a half. Okay, I, I follow suit with that also. Four and a half. The art's really good. Um, all me. Yeah, all the, all the artwork in it is really sharp. The way the story flows back and forth, the duality between Bruce and Dick and this new kid, and maybe Heartless, if I'm right about that, 
is all like the way that all those three things line up with each other is really interesting and done very well with the way they jump between the time frames. Mm -hmm. Um, it's neat getting to see Alfred again, you know, as a thing. It's quick too. It moves to the next spot. Hey, mm -hmm. go off. banter here, move, banter here, move. It, it gives every two pages, hey, we're on to the next scene. Right. Well, Tom Taylor's been doing the nightly series for a minute now, and he's he's done a pretty good job. Uh, as far as, like, series are concerned, it'll be interesting to see where this leads to. I mean, clearly we're going to be dealing with the uncle and probably what we've all guessed by now that he's the real problem. Yeah. Cause, oh, definitely. Yeah, man. It's so it's so messed up, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I give it a four and a half also. It's a solid book. Um, Nightwing's been solid for quite a while, actually, so... I feel like I should probably point out, too, I haven't read anything Nightwing in years. Me neither. Yeah. Me, and this was like a perfect starting point. You read it. You knew what was going on. You didn't have a whole bunch of backstory that fed into it that you needed to know to know where you were. You could just jump in and get going with this story. And it did. But it did the same thing for people who have been reading it. Talked about that turf war and him turning into a werewolf like I, it, it, it caters to every audience yeah it did it did the thing that i really love where i picked it up and i'm like oh now i gotta go back yeah find uh, what, yep. what's going on yeah mr scott i know you didn't get to read the uh, Nightwing 111 uh my only comment is yeah i did not read it at all but uh <laughs> i really appreciated the synopsis of it i almost felt like it was a comic book audio book and I would like to read through, like hear more of those. I did. I did. I I went specifically. Sometimes we kind of go through and we do, kind of page by page. But I the the writing was so good, and there was such good banter, and there wasn't a ton of dialogue. I was like, I can swing through this. I was like, I felt like I was like the audience deserves to hear like those word for words because they're really well written. Yeah. So I'm sorry if it took too long, but yeah, I I, I thought it was. Oh, it's very nice. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> See, from that, we go to one that's going to be a lot more abridged hey. because uh, it's got a lot of dialogue and a lot of characters. Um, unless we do, we want, hey, do you want maybe you want to rearrange? We'll do uh, Spider Punk instead. I don't care. Well, I hate to cut you off like I did last time again. Roz got to go. Roz got to go. Roz got to go. All right. Time to go. See you guys. Hey, man. Thank you, buddy. All right. So after the exit of uh, the Rustachio. <laughs> we we'll move on to Jill and the Killers. This is number one uh, from Oni Comics. And this is uh, written by Olivia Cartero Briggs. And uh, is illustrated by uh, Roberta Ingerham Atta. I don't know how to say it. Ingerham Atta? I think so. That is an interesting name. Is that... Uh... That's, what, that's what I got. Okay. So it's not just me. That's good. I Sorry if we didn't pronounce your names right. It's not meant to be insulting. I do. I like the way this book looks, so... Anyway, um, as if there's other books that I would talk bad about for no reason. Uh. All right, so book opens up. We are in a very blue tone, and we got a radio that's operating. From there, we cut to see the red side of what is actually a police jeep that is sinking in the water. And we see this fist hitting the, what I assume is the windshield or a window, because it looks like glass. And then we see someone pulling on a door handle, and we pull back to see a woman behind the glass, and the dialogue that's happening is, I don't know, an unearthly voice? Yes. It says, don't, don't die. And then we cut to see that the, we're in what it's assumed, it looks to be a harbor, not a lake. 
because there's a lot more water there than I assumed it was going to be there at first. But uh, either direction, the uh, vehicle itself is uh, nearing the bottom when we see it. From there, we cut to high school girl's room. And uh, our main character, Jill, wakes up breathless and she's like, I'm going to save you. And from outside the room, we get, Jill, what's going on? What's, what's that? Are you good? And Jill's out of breath. And she's like, yep, yep, you know it. I'm, I'm good. We cut the downstairs. We see a kitchen. And we've got a um, father figure staying in the kitchen. And Jill joins him to eat breakfast. And uh, as the two of them are talking, we find out fairly quickly that Jill's getting ready to go back to school because she's missed school for over a year because of something that's happened. And uh, as she's talking to her dad, she's like, no, no, dad, I'm totally ready. I'm ready to go back. And the dad's like, all right, well, I mean, you're going to meet up with your friends and stuff. Good luck with everything. I mean, there, this is a bridge dialogue. There is a ton of dialogue. Because there's a, there's, there's a lot. There's a ton of dialogue in this book. Anyway, she wants to tell her dad that things have to get back to normal. And this is, this is that point, dad. Things have to get back to normal. And so she leaves and she has whatever normal is now. And now we're outside going down a normal street and neighborhood. And uh, we have her riding her skateboard and we see her holler at the coach and talks to the coach for a second. And we find out that she's on the swim team and we meet the coach's mother. And as she's skating through the neighborhood, the coach is like, oh, it's going to be great to have you back. Can't wait to get you back doing things. She's like, yeah, well, my, me and my dad are both kind of being keeping to ourselves. He's like, yeah, but we haven't seen you or heard from you. Reverse that. Haven't seen or heard from me and my dad became to myself. You all know which direction I'm supposed to go. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, you, we're trying to get back to normal. And she's like, well, that that's, that's how things going to be. A girl in your grade, I think it's good for you to get back to things. And she's basically like, okay, well, I'll check you out, check you out later. And, show, and well, he goes, there's been a couple new kids that showed up in town. She's like, oh, cool. Well, I mean, I'll show them the ropes. You know, acting overly normal, knowing that there's something not normal. Yeah. From there, we cut to a side shot of a fellow who's, uh, you know, just for school, very handsome guy. We find out this is Mr. O'Brien, and he's uh, in the process of messing with his lip and having someone take pictures of him. We pull back as Jill rolls up on her skateboard, and we are introduced to another character. We believe, I think it's she, Susan, Cher? Cher. 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 And uh, she's like, oh, hey, you're getting pictures taken for your, uh, getting your headshots taken, Mr. Army Ranger? Marines. So he, we find out he has decided to sign up for himself for the military after graduating high school. Her friends just happy to see her, and they, you know, of course, start talking as they walk their path towards school to meet another friend. And she's like, "Well, have you talked to anybody else? Was none of us heard from you?" And that's more about them being gone for so much time. And so we start getting the idea that she's not really sure that the next friend they're going to meet is Ginger, and she has not talked to Ginger since the incident. Uh, which eventually we learn what that is, but at this point we still have no idea what it is. And the way they put emphasis on Ginger, it seems that maybe Jill and Ginger were a little more than just friends. It, regardless, they obviously had a very, very hard falling out. Right. So we come from there to inside another house, another room. Um, on the bed we see a, uh, a prosthetic leg, and we have somebody who's talking on the phone. We cut around to see a girl standing in the mirror looking at a brand new prosthetic leg, and she's super excited about it and how great it looks, and we learned this is Ginger. Um, Ginger's getting ready to go to school with her new prosthetic leg, and she can't. She's like, "This is the greatest thing. I'm jogging on it. It's so unbelievable." And from there, she opens the door, and she's greeted by her friends with a boo. And she's shocked because here is Jill, that she hasn't seen in a very long time, along with her other friends. She's like, "What the hell, Jill?" 
And she's like, oh, sorry, my bad. I just thought you'd be excited to see me. My father, the dad finally let me out of Fort Knox. And she's like, did you think the call? And she's like, well, you know, it's been a while. I, you know, I thought you'd be happy to see me. So the reason the reception she gets from her friend is not what she was expecting. About that same time, we have a car pull up. Um, and inside the car, we have this blonde dynamo who's like, what up, witches? Straight up, like, crazy. He, he, she's living the dream. She does say witches, like that, yeah. the verbatim. She says witches. Pretty much, yeah, all the time. She's like, pile in, everybody. And as she's talking to Jill, who's also there, she's like, oh, we got room for one more. And just like, yeah, I think I'm all right. And she's like, oh, you to Ginger introduces Clyde, who is the new girl in town. Clyde is a new friend with the car that's all about being, you know, popular girl. And uh, she's like, oh, Jill, nice to meet you. But she doesn't say it quite that way. But she's like, nice to meet you. I heard a lot of good things. She's like, oh, well, that's cool. A very good things too, I guess. And she's like, oh, get, get in, Chica. There's one. There's room for one more. She's like, no, I'm good with my skateboard. I'll just ride in. That's fine. And she's like, all right, cool. And they all take off. And Jill rides to school, thinking that she just lose her friends to the new girl. The new chick. Yeah. So Jill rides up outside school on her skateboard. And she's like, oh, great. Goes inside, we see normal classroom, and she responds to it as, you know, normal school. It was not whatever. She sits through a couple classes, and while the classes are going on, we get normal banter back and forth and some school lessons being taught. Finally, we get to lunch. That will give you a little bit of the hallway chatter, maybe not necessary. But we get to lunch, and uh, Jill's now joined the foursome. O'Brien, uh, Cher, Clyde, and uh, Ginger. Ginger. And she's sitting in the odd man out position. And she's like, hey, so uh, what's going on? What, what, what are you guys talking about? True now? What is that? And so it turns out that all of her friends have gotten into this true crime detective stuff. And they're all listening to a podcast that's about real murder and mystery and blah, 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 blah. And as they're all talking, it turns out there's this new game where you mail away for a box that is your own mystery to solve. And supposedly they tailor it to you. And as we're all talking, of course, Jill realizes that this is not her bag and she needs it to be her bag because if it's not, she's lost all of her friends, which actually comes around a little later in real dialogue. But you can feel it as she's going through the dialogue. Again, there's a lot of dialogue. So Jill basically volunteers to order the box. Oh, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get the box for us. We can go play the murder game. I love murder investigation, which is also questionable. And one of her friends does say... Are you sure you'd be into that after what's happened? And again, we don't actually know what's happened yet. Um, well, we do. Anyway, the box is called Box Killers. That's the uh, program you mail away for, and they send you your clue kit and whatnot. Uh, so she agrees to sign up. To She's going to get it ordered, and that's just the end of it. So from there, we cut to swim practice, and we uh, have a crowd, a little small crowd watching, and Jill's there with a few of the other friends, and... As they're all, it seems like a majority of my swim team, and Brian is, and Cher is, and Jill's getting ready to jump in, and as she's staring over the edge of the pool into the water, she sees the van falling with the girl inside of it. And she just can't do it. Like, she tears her goggles off, she throws them down, she runs out of the room, we see Ginger watching, and she rushes home. And when she gets home, well, there's a box waiting. Uh, this box is marked as... Uh, 4J11 and it has their address and she gets there she's like oh man this thing showed up super freaking quick that's crazy 
because it's only been like a day since the agree getting dad to agree to buy it because dad's like 200 bucks a month what are you talking about um again there's a lot of dialogue i kind of skipped that part when we got to the swim team close enough so the boxes come super fast and she's like well let's get to it so she gets in there and she's like dear j11 that's code for jill duh as if it's chicanery for the program because it's supposed to be tailored to you and so she opens it up and she starts reading through these things and she winds up finding out this is about some boys that have been murdered or disappeared Miss- around the school. Missing, yeah. missing around the school. And she's like, this actually has our school in it. We find out now she's with her friends and they're going through the box stuff and looking at all of it. And we find out that there's these two men that went missing, two boys. One was named Donald, the other was named Patrick, and they both went to the same school as them. And only the one of them, Peter, he only disappeared five years ago. And Donald disappeared five years before that. And as they're all going through these evidence bags that everyone comments about looking so real, this evidence looks so real. And we see shots of it. And yeah, I mean, it's like pictures of bloody things and bags of stuff and photos of people's faces. No different than you see on any crime TV show when they're like, here's the evidence. And as they're going over, Clyde at one point says, oh, look, these boys, they disappeared exactly the same day apart from each other, five years separate, like the same day. And they're like, well, let's review what what we know about the boys' disappearance. And so they start going through the notes more and more and more. And as all that's going on, they they realize the last time one of them was seen, most recent one was seen, was outside the old uh, shutdown junkyard. And they're like, "Well, no one's out there at night. We might as well go check it out and see if we can see if we can get any views on this uh, murder case." And so you know, Clyde makes a joke with a flashlight off shining on her face, like, "Ooh, it's going to be dangerous or whatever." And so they all agree to go, and they'll meet later to go out to the the junkyard. So we cut from there to them outside the junkyard and they come to the fence and of course they find a hole through the fence and then they get inside and there's a bunch of retrospective dialogue in here that's that's about um, Jill thinking about not being able to make swim practice and how she can't do it and she's not ready yet. High school girl stuff trying to go through her day. We we get it. It's right. it's not easy. So as we're walking through the graveyard or not graveyard, sorry, the cemetery. No, when we're talking no, no the junkyard. No, <laughs> as we're going through the junkyard <laughs> well, it's what, yeah. It's actually a metal sign factory. They say that. They like, yeah, metal, it's an old metal shutdown sign factory. So think like Hollywood Boulevard, There, there's a museum that's a sign museum yeah. that you can go to out, and that's a real thing out in Las Vegas. Anyway, so as they're walking through there, um, O'Brien holds up his flashlight. He's like, oh, whoa, look at that. And it's like a giant sign of Marilyn Monroe. And we do see like there's a red piece of cloth attached to it. And uh, Clyde's like, oh, look, that... That would that doesn't look like the preach report. That that's Donald's that's a piece of Donald's sweatshirt right there. And Jill's like, I'll get it. And so she starts climbing up on top of this refrigerator that's next to it to try to get to the piece of cloth. And they're like, Be careful, Jill, you're being crazy because you know, she wants to impress everybody and be the lead spot again. And as she's pulling down the uh piece of sweater, the refrigerator becomes unstable and it sends her to the ground, and as she looks across, she sees it something else has fallen out of the refrigerator that uh, probably shouldn't have been there. And it's, um, it's a human foot. And she's like, whoa, fake foot. This game is so boss. That thing looks so real. And about that time, we start hearing barking. Well, it turns out the, the junkyard is not exactly vacant. I mean, there's an old man that oversees it. He has a couple of dogs that watch. And so these dogs are now barking at them. And they're like, oh, Jesus, we got to go, Jill. And so they start running from the dogs. 
And one of the dogs eventually catches up to Ginger and gets a hold of her leg, puts the prosthesis. And so it bites her, and about that point, the dogs both get ready to just go to town on the girl, and she's like, help me, help me! And from there, Jill starts yelling at the dogs to pay attention to her. And she distracts the two of them, and then pulls out a steak. Like a steak like meat steak, dinner steak. And she causes it away for the dogs to chase the steak. She goes and she helps up Ginger, and she's like, you brought a steak with you? She's like, it's a junkyard, of course I bring a steak with me. Makes sense, junkyard dog. Yeah, clever. It's very, yeah, very, 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 they did a very good job with yeah. that. It was pretty good. Um, so the girls all get away, and they return back to the house. This is the next day. And she's like, so Peter was leaving the sign, sign the, or was leaving the, the high school at 4.15 on December 14th. And five years prior to that, Donald was last seen at his job, which was the Metal Sign Museum, a.k.a. the nasty junkyard ruled by scary dogs. And uh, Jill, Ginger's like, Jill, you don't have to keep holding the foot while you're doing that. And she's got the foot in her hand like waving. Yeah, she's like conducting with it almost. Yeah. So they designed themselves a murder board where everything's tacked up with strings and everything. And as she's waving the foot around in front of them, um, delivering what they do so far about the case, eventually her dad shows up. And her dad's like, hey, is everything all right? She's like, well, I mean, this foot's kind of smelly, but that is 100% true. I mean, that's where they found it. To be fair, she, thought it, she, think, she, she thinks it's fake. She, well, it, yeah, we're about to get the other shoe to that. Dun, dun. Oh, the other shoe. Oh, only me. Well, Dad's like, oh, well, I ventured a box for you. It looks like your game finally came. Dun, dun, dun. And he gives, believes the box. He's like, all right, woo, 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 everybody. Have a great year or whatever. And off he goes. And uh, Sherry's got the box, and Jewel says, hang on, Sherry, what is that? She's like, um, guys... This is the box killer game, and we see the logo on top that says box killer, and they're all like, hang on, what does this mean about this foot? And of course, that leads Jill to freak out, and they're all like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and Jill starts freaking out, and Clyde's like, breathe, everybody calm down, and Jill blacks out. So, uh, next thing, we cut uh, to the next morning, and they're at the police station, that has really hip cop cars, so I'm not sure what time frame we're supposed to be in, but... This looks like straight up uh, out of Blues Brothers. And uh, the police are like, so why are we at the junkyard? And like, doesn't matter while we're at the junkyard. So we got two officers in suit and then a detective. And they are collecting this foot from her. She's like, there was other parts too. This is just the part we took. And they're like, why were you there at all? She's like, okay, so we broke the law, but you need to look at this foot. And we wind up learning more about Jill's backstory now. So as we go through a bunch of dialogue, we wind up finding out that both these two suited officers promised her mom they'd look after and keep her out of trouble and it turns out that she and her mom both have the same tendency to investigate things they shouldn't be investigating and they let loose that her mom worked at that office with these police officers so we find out that mom was a cop too correct and as we're starting to figure out what the real problem is that was the problem from the previous year well it turns out mom well she's been missing and she's been missing now for a year and Jill, the very of the opinion, the mom is dead. And chances are the flashes of the girl in the car are probably mom. Um, but the officers agree to eventually take a look at things, but the Jill needs to leave it alone, and you need to go home, Jill. And so Jill leaves, and she's there with the ginger and Cher, and uh, she's like, well, we're not letting this go. we got to figure out where the next step is. And she's like, whoa, whoa. So Ginger says, we're going home, Jill. What do you mean next move? She's like, we're, I'm over with this. We're done. And she's like, over? 
but this is a mystery. We have to find and solve this mystery. It might figure out where my mom is. And she's like, you don't understand. This is a real life crime. And my prost my leg has been destroyed by dogs. I'm not okay with any of this. And basically blames her for being at the junkyard and that's her fault. Her leg got hurt. There's a lot of dialogue. They go through why they, you know, she's upset that she hasn't talked to her in the past year and she needed her and she, you know, tried to comfort her when her mom went missing and Jill kind of pushed her off and blew her off multiple, multiple times. So um, Ginger's very hurt by that. And yeah. So it comes to the two of them basically arguing and then ending the argument with Ginger leaving, uh, us seeing her damaged cracked leg, which was very nice the day before. And uh, Jill going home, ups well, getting ready to go home by, by herself. About that time as the walkway is getting ready to happen, all of a sudden the car rolls up with a beep beep. And we are joined again by Clyde, who also has Cher with her. And she's like, hey girls, we're going to the mall. Let's go to the mall. And so both groups, girls, get into the, the car. And we get some sideways looks from Ginger. So I'm guessing Ginger has a thing for Clyde and doesn't want to disappoint the new girl that's her new friend. That may be me reading into it, but, you know, it's water. So they go to the mall because commerce will make them all feel better buying things. Which is sort of true. Anyway, so they get there and we find out that while Clyde's talking, Clyde is very about solving this mystery. And uh, she wants to keep going. As they park the car, she's like, get ready to get out. And they're like, hey, what are you, aren't you going to take your keys? She's like, oh, I leave my keys in the car all the time. I've been doing it for years. And Jill's like, years? Aren't you the new kid in town or something like that? Yeah. She's, oh, yeah. She says she's been leaving her keys in the car at the mall specifically. Yeah. For years, which is strange because this is the new girl. And she's like, didn't you just, did you get your driver's license when you were 15? Yep. And she's like, right. Sure, yeah. 15. So after all that, we make the decision to go in the mall. And as they're talking, she's like, well, Ginger doesn't want to go. And Ginger's like, oh, no, that's not what I said. I said it was fine. I'm I'm ready to do it. I'm I'm in. And so from there we go to a flashback. The flashback is of Joe's mom inside of a shop at the mall looking at radios. Walkie talkies. Walkie talkie radios. Yeah. yeah. And so there's some flashback moments with her and her mom and how fun it was to play with these walkie talkies. And uh from there we wind up having Clyde buy a set of them and she's like, I had a pair of these with my mom before, you know, she went she's like, Yeah, isn't your mom missing? And she's like, No, she's dead. About that time, we get a text message on the phone, and the text message that she keeps tells her that if she keeps missing practice, they're gonna have to kick her off the, off the team. Talking about swim practice, and so the, she says, "Well, I gotta go. I gotta go talk to coach about this." And so she leaves the store, leaves the girls with the store. On the way home, or on the way to see the coach, actually, she runs across O'Brien, who's been taking extra money as a chimney sweep, old timey style chimney mm. sweep. It's kind of ridiculous. But he's in the process of being on top of this roof, cleaning out a chimney. And now uh, we find that he's got a very big fear of spiders as he pulls a whole nest of spiders out of the chimney. And falls off the roof because he's clumsy. And Jill's like, are you alright? He's like, oh, what are you doing here, Jill? And they have a little bit of small talk, which leads Jill to saying, well, I'm here to see Coach because uh, we got to talk about swim practice. I'm going to have to quit the team because I can't swim. And so we find out the coach isn't home yet. Uh, but his mother is there. His mother's a weirdo. She speaks in um, I I I, I don't want to say a lisp. Yeah, it's almost like a baby voice. It's it's very different. It's kind of broken. We do we do find out that mom had a stroke. Oh, we do. Oh, okay. Why she talks that way? That's right. But that's not the part that's weird. The part that's weird is <laughs> yeah. After she invites Jill in, she's like, "Oh, don't worry, he'll be here in a minute." 
do you want to meet my friends? And Jill's like, okay. And so she shows him his room full of baby dolls. Like a lot of babies. Scary American doll, like porcelain. Yeah. Like Annabelle all over. It's it's, crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Eventually, um, the coach shows up and he has a talk with Jill. And he says, well, you know what, Jill? You need to swim when you're ready, but I don't want to hurt your college applications. So I'm going to tell you what. We're going to give you a manager position. We make you manager on the team. Assistant coach. Assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You can follow me around. You can shout at me. You can learn about running a team. Still have your scholarship. And yeah. you don't have to worry about losing your positioning when it comes to college application. And when you're ready to swim, you can swim. Which is really nice. Which, no, it's freaking awesome. It's really cool. And so she's very appreciative of that. And then we go to leave to uh, fast forward the next day. Because that was the evening. So we fast forward the next day. And they go to join Clyde at her job. Her job is working in it is working at a shop her parents run that has a bunch of weird mannequins and is like an antique type of souvenir shop. Mm-hmm. Well, when she's there by herself and she's bored, she makes the mannequins talk in their own story, which is also kind of weird. Like a soap opera. Yeah. yeah. And so when the girls walk in, it's Ginger, Jill, and Clyde, and we hear her making voices for the different models in the room, the, dumb, the mannequins, and they're like, is she making voices for the mannequins again she's like yeah she does that whenever she's alone by herself and she's we so we get her to stop and uh ginger's like hey where's o'brien she's like i don't know he hasn't texted me all afternoon i'm going crazy and so part of the shenanigans with the mannequins was about how sad she was that her boyfriend correct calling her back because clyde and uh o'brien not clyde sharon o'brien are a couple and she's like can't believe he hasn't messaged me back it must be the end of the world it's been like an hour and a half yeah um, so her father shows up and he's like, you can't have your friends hanging out in here. Like you, when you gang, you can't just have people hanging out in the store. So he chastises them about hanging out and the girls all apologize and they leave. Um, so the three of them head over to the, uh, the junkyard again and they happen to get there while the officers and our detective are busy reclaiming the refrigerator. They were talking, hoisting their refrigerator. Oh yeah. yeah. Falling living up with a crane. And while that's happening, of course, it moves around a little bit in a way that, oh, I probably shouldn't. It opens up and a bunch of other body parts fall out. It's not just the one foot, but we have an arm, a bunch of blood, and it gets all over the officers, the detectives, and the two cops. And like Clyde's like, I can't believe that! Like she thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Where both Jill and uh, Ginger are not very happy with, well, they think it's gross. From there, they decide to go back to Jill's house, and the dad brings them, uh, and it's not, they're not like coffee cups, but they're like soup bowls. But whatever it is to drink. And they're going over what's on the, the wall about their murder case and what exactly they're going to try to do to figure the next step out. We go over a little more of the conflict between Ginger and Jill. Clyde is there as well. And then we have, out of nowhere, Cher. Cher winds up bursting through the door. And she's like, my baby's missing, but his parents reported him missing. O'Brien's missing. And Clyde's like, what day is it? Because it's the same day from the previous disappearances. See exactly five years from the last disappearance. Oh my God. Dun dun dun! Did see that coming? So, uh, you saw it coming. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I I think this book is neat. I guess there's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, there is, but it does set up the high school feeling and the way that some of the slang is in there is definitely like I would say more modern high school slang, maybe. Having a teenage daughter, yes, some of it is very modern. I figured a part of it you'd understand better. Than I, I did. Would. I did. I, 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 I picked up what they were laying down a couple times. A couple of times, I was like, I don't know that one. But <laughs> yeah, 
Um, the art's the art's simple, but I like it. It's uh, it's a, it's a, it's neat neat the way it's set up. I like murder mystery stuff, so like the way this is set up feels to me like perfect setup for a TV show or a horror movie or like I know what you did last summer kind of thing. Um, so like read wise, I, I give it a three and a half because there is a lot of dialogue, and I don't dislike that there's a lot of dialogue, but some of it's very. I don't know. I guess there's a tiny bit that I thought was a little much. It didn't take away from my enjoyment of reading it. But as a thing, there's a bunch of it that was like, the stuff when she's sitting through class, we have part of a lecture, and okay, I I don't need it. But the rest of it I thought was pretty good, and I, I am interested to see how this murder unveils, and I mean, I think Clyde's a freaking witch, so we'll see if that matters at all. Um, not just because of the way she talks, but her, I've been doing this for years, is... Very question thing. So, like, she's there's something about that chick that is the problem. Uh, but what it is exactly, there's not enough in the first book to know that. It'll be interesting to see what the truth is about the mom, if mom really is dead. Mm -hmm. Because that is definitely what Jill believes, whether anybody else does or not. So, so yeah, I give it a three and a half. I still thought it was pretty strong. Um, if you like murder mystery stuff, then I think it'd probably be a good book for you. Uh, Mr. Brown? Uh, I'm going to give it a three... Um... I want to clarify a couple things that kind of what, what you said. While this is a very lengthy book, um, it, it technically is two issues. They said, "Is that did they say that?" So it is. It is. A, it is a lengthier book. That being said, um, none of the dialogue in here is written poorly. While some of it I feel is unnecessary, it's definitely like, "Oh, I didn't enjoy that." It's. It, it is very well written and it's fun to read. Um, there are a couple of things that I, I felt could have sped it up maybe a little bit. Um, the, the, like you said, the lecture, um, the, the the store where Cher works, like so, some of those things just aren't really needed, um, and it kind of made the kind of uh, kind of messed with the pacing a little bit. I felt like it kind of really kind of felt like it was being dragged out a little bit. But th that being said, there's there's nothing in it that is um, where you're like, oh, this is such a drag. It's like, all right, this is a little long, but it is all of it's very enjoyable. Um, I think the art is great, um, very clean. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think the story's going somewhere and there are little things hinted at here and there. Again, this very abridged version because there is a, a lot of dialogue. Um, but it is very enjoyable. I did enjoy it. So yeah, I, I give it a three. Right on, right, Mr. Scott. I mean, I'll just flipping through it. What do you, what do you think about the, uh, killers? Jill and the killers? You know, the, uh, plot hits pretty close to home as there was a local house here in town. Oh my goodness. Which they found a freezer. Oh, hard sell. So, forgot all about that. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, the art's good. Yeah. Uh, as far as lengthy dialogue, you know, there's... Sometimes I complain when I get a comic and I can hammer through it in less than five minutes because there isn't much dialogue. So I feel like, at least you're getting your money's worth, you know? You're getting to spend some time with this thing. And then... uh you know, I'm a huge fan of the true crime stuff, you know, just like these kids are. And they introduce a lot of classic elements. I mean, you got mannequins, you got creepy dolls, you got a lot of, you know, characters in here that are, you know, and the, the mystery box. I don't know. You got any theories on that? I think the original box, there is a mention of it that Jill does think it might have been for her mom. That was my first guess. And so uh, that's the people I skipped over. But uh, as a thing... Because her mom was already detectiveing, I think the truth is the boss. I'm sorry, was, was that detective? -ing? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's not a real word. Detective Bang. Well, that's what she was in the process of doing. It's just the way you said it, man. It was great. But, yeah, with that fit, the original box, how it got delivered, when it got delivered, is a real question. Because only after they decided to go do some weird mystery mm-hmm. game box together did a magical box show up out of nowhere. I don't mean magical because it's actually magic, but it begs the question, like, why did it show up then? Somebody knew about it. Clearly. Clearly, yeah. Somebody somebody knew something. There's only five on the table. Any coincidence between that and the other box that was supposed to show up? No, that somebody knew that the, someone in the group knew that they were going to go do this, therefore the box was sent. Possibly, or it just had the coincidence of the five years. Also a possibility. Sure. So, I mean, there's there's a few different things going on there. Um, but the new girl in town, I'm saying is suspicious. If this was Clue, she'd be her in the nursery with a ratchet. If it was a Clue game. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I couldn't think of any other tools or a room that would be better. Library with a candlestick. See, there you go. That's why I don't win that game. Oh, man. Clue's hard. <laughs> I'm terrible at Clue. Terrible at Clue. It's interesting that it doesn't say Oni on the cover anywhere. We thought that too. It just has it on the inner. Yeah. And real small is like Oni printing. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought that too. Most of the time you, you know, have that, you know, with image or, you know, boom yeah, or, you know, Valiant, you always have oh, something up there. Or yeah. Very, yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'm interested to see where it goes. Sure. Well, as far as the thing, what we have next is Spider-Punk. This is from uh, Marvel Comics. I have to help CBS because I can hear his voice. You can, I can hear him complaining about his voice. You know, it is a, it is a thing. What I think, did, Scott, did you read Spider-Punk? You did, right? Yeah. See, so we can all talk about Spider-Punk. You want to go? You want to start? Uh, last minute. No, feel free. No, no, you're you're up. You're, you got it. You can do it. Well, I... Uh, there you see. There you go. He's got it. He's got it in his hands. He's going to do it. I guess my first comment is I love the cover. Now, I haven't really read Spider-Punk before, so I'm jumping on. It is a number one, but when you get right into the beginning here, it's uh, it gives a little uh, breakdown that there was a uh, previously Hobie Brown, the Spider-Punk, uh, smashed his guitar into the skull of the villain, villainously venomized Norman Osborn, the president of the U.S. of A. But when he returned, Hobie and the band blew him away with the power of rock. So, apparently there's you know, we've established a lot of things here. Maybe I'm not familiar with. There's a previous miniseries that that is a uh, that is the fallout of our problem. I do like the cover a lot. The art on the cover, uh, Takashi Okazaki and Rico Renzi, and uh, and I did notice there is a uh, Maria Wolf cover, but it's probably another expensive one in twenty five or something like that. It is a one in twenty five. Yeah. Correct. And, uh, for those that don't know, she's a I don't. Here at the store, we like her, I think. Yeah. After meeting her at the uh, Fan Expo in Denver last year. Um, we get a little origin story at the beginning here. Uh, different universe, but Spider-Punk still gets uh, bitten by a spider, it looks like. And uh, um, and the, I like that they keep it short. I, I, I like to skip over origin stories and <laughs> not put too much uh, time into those. Uh, you got a group, uh, Spider-Punk, uh, it's the Spider-Band. And actually, after reading through this, I would say this is more of a Spider-Band comic maybe than a Spider-Punk comic. Uh, a lot of characters in here. Hobie Brown is Spider-Punk. Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, Matea Murdock, uh, Daredevil, also uh, the drummer of the band. Riri Williams as Riot Heart, sort of their Iron Man analog. And Carl Morningdew as Captain Anarchy. 
and they hit it right off here with a uh, action-packed battle against another band, and that seemed to have this theme a lot, you know, this, uh, um, they talk a lot about demos and bands and record deals and that sort of thing in this Gigs. particular rank. We're going to get a gig, man. So I, I like that. That's pretty fun. Um, and this is the Lizards, but of course spelled L-Z-R-D-Z. <laughs> One sort of, uh, I guess, stylistic element of this is uh, that everything, the uh, lettering is mostly bold, and then a lot of uh, emphasized words are in red, which actually becomes kind of interesting later on because one of them sees red and it's all written in red. So, yeah, the Spider-Man takes on another band. You know, this is kind of, uh, I guess, Scott Pilgrim style, you know, uh, rock and rollers fighting rock and rollers. And uh, in the end here, I guess the they make the point that, um, you know, Spider-Punk uh, caused quite a bit of damage. So, which, I mean... My familiarity with him from the Spider-Verse is uh, that I, I really loved his character in there. And that he, he seemed, his M.O. seemed to be not necessarily good or evil, but just anarchy. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make this. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of reflected here in the, in the damage he causes. And then uh, uh, right after that, he get a, a visit from um, Shuri and uh, uh, Takala. You know, so you got some Black Panther and, uh, you know, which some characters I don't really keep up with too much. But, you know, it's pretty cool to see them make an appearance here. They kind of give them a little bit of uh, harassing. Hey, we're going to have to clean up your mess and whatnot. Then we cut over to, I guess, our main villain here. Introducing some new uh, technology. And this is pretty much, I guess, fallout from the previous miniseries of Osborne, and uh, they're trying to put it in together to some sort of super suit, but it looks like uh, this guy's having a tough time selling it to his investors. It's Justin Hammer. It's what? It's Justin Hammer. Okay. If you've seen, if you've seen Iron Man, that's who it is. Okay. Gotcha. And is this a different version of him? Yeah, I think so. Versions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And apparently he's working, you know, at the behest of... Uh, you know, an alternate Dr. Octo uh, Octavius, and uh, who in this particular universe looks very much like uh, Ryan's being a strong man from X Factor. That's where that hair goes. Hey, I kept, uh, I kept seeing that thing in the room, like, where have I seen that book? That little tuft of hair. Yeah. Good call. So, yeah, that, that's what he reminded me of. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the man behind this technology, and, uh, um, you know, it looks like Justin Hammer's the face of it. They're trying to get it uh, pushed, and he clearly has it out for uh, Spider-Punk. Then, uh, I guess we get a lot of just uh, dialogue and, uh, you know, introducing the uh, characters and having them interact here a lot. And again, it's all the characters in the band. You know, it's the whole Spider-Band here. It doesn't really feel like there's anything too significant going on here in terms of, like, um, setting up for something big. Um, one thing I did notice is we do get a to finally get to a uh, band practice, and I've always thought it was intriguing. I'm I'm a big fan of music, Indian punk music, and uh, that they they actually included a little bit of tablature when the uh, when the spider band is playing here, and uh, I always I wondered if they had any sort of tie-ins with music or. 
you know, I always think it's interesting with uh, comics that are sort of band or music based, how they combine that. If they have a separate soundtrack you that they promote or if they, uh, um, you know, I wonder if they're going to have an actual, I don't know, release an, you know, a song. I would say cool. I'd listen to that. Maybe kind of like, again, like Scott Pilgrim in the movie, you know, they've got another band playing, you know, original songs that maybe reflect this. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we go in and we get a final fight here with that um, prototype sort of Sen- sentinel. They're saying it's a prototype sentinel, right? Okay. Yeah, it's like a mashup of Iron Man tech, Hammer tech, and Octavius tentacles. Yeah, he's got kind of a bearded yeah, yeah. tentacle like, out of his yeah, beard. Yeah. yeah. And, very uh, Cthulhu esque. Oh, it is. I didn't. I would say that. Yeah. Oh, very Cthulhu esque. Which, yeah, that that's kind of cool stylistic and then uh i don't know don't want to give too much away here but then you get uh you know spider-man taking him on for about i don't know like eight pages <laughs> it's a very long drawn out uh you know battle with uh lots of uh one-liners and action after the fight you know it looks like it was we call it a total pyrrhic victory but we've got some uh hardcore injuries uh sentinels uh looks to be taken out although there looks to be maybe a glimmer of life there and we get a final splash with uh doc ock you know apparently he's gonna push this and kind of be the main villain and come after him some more so oh i'm sorry there is a bit of an epilogue where we uh approach uh matea murdoch some of the other bands and we introduce bullseye which is fun and i'm a big bullseye fan and they have a head-to-head uh, that also includes uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, it just kind of seemed like a separate thing. It definitely is a separate thing. Yeah, it's fun though. Yep. And then uh, I will say uh, there is a uh, the last page. They show a couple of the variants for the next uh, issue too. And uh, one of these is definitely giving me like uh, the one with uh, uh, Spider Punk holding his guitar on the scooter is giving me fully coolie vibes. You guys are familiar with that. I'm sure it's Jim Afu that did that cover. Uh, but yeah, he's got a very uh, raw kind of punk style to him and all the other. And it looks like they're expecting the Sentinel to come back again, probably upgraded better than ever with uh, improvements based on this last fight. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, if you were to score that guy, we'd do it on a five scale, Scott. What would you score it? Scale. You know, I'm going to give this one as an introduction for what it is. I'm going to go three and a half. You know, the art, it was fun, um, but nothing too crazy awesome or intriguing for me. And of course, as you know, I like kind of like crazy nonsense. And uh, I, I I guess one of my criticisms is I wanted to see more of Spider-Punk. You know, whereas he, it's, it's more of the Spider-Man and the other characters who are okay with me, but... Uh, it would be neat to see that and more of his M.O. of, you know, sort of anarchy instead of, you know, being a team player and trying to work for the side of good and stuff. Well, in the comic books, he's a little bit different than he is in the movie. And with this particular group, because he's supposed to be the lead, that's how it all kind of plays out slightly different. Yeah, and I hate to bring that to my reading of the book because yeah. I also know that I read all these comics and I have friends that then watch the movies and have these expectations of the characters based on the movie, even though I tell them, no, no, that's the exception. That's not the rule to the character. 
So, but that character in Across Spider Verse was so good. Like, yeah, it, it it's hard not to compare that because it was awesome. It was everything you wanted to see. Yeah, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Well, Mr. Brown, what do you think of that book? I give it three and a half. Um, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I, 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 I totally understand. It, it probably should have been called a Spider Band book in comparison. I, I get that you do have a lot of other. I'm not a big Riri Williams fan. I don't really care much about Miss Marvel. Um, I did like the. Is that the daughter of Daredevil? I like that. Well, this all in a universe. Uh, that is our Daredevil. Oh, this is our Daredevil. Okay, I like that. I thought that was cool. T'Challa and um, Shiri showing up is neat. Um, I think the art is really, really fun. Um, having having a lot of um, messy stuff in there is is cool to see, um, but still defined and 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 it's obviously readable. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I like the story. I think it's simple. Um, yeah, cl- classic, classic kind of uh, who done it? Who's in? Who's the, the man behind the curtain? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Sure, is that, is that the correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Three and a half. No, well, I follow suit and give it a three. I mean, as far as score is concerned, the art's fun. It as far as style of talking, it is interesting how they certain words are like the with the red. How emphasis is given differently because of how they all talk. And like this world, the last time we really dealt with it was in the previous Spider-Punk series. And that was a big thing in there too. And like that previous series, we introduced a bunch of different variations of characters just like this one does. And some of them had like complete pairings with real people. So like a couple of the, uh, when we meet Craven in the previous series, he has a very, uh, oh gosh, what is, um, Guy Singh's mother. What's that guy's name? Danzig. What's Danzig's band before he was Danzig? Misfits. Misfits. Has a very yeah. Misfits look. See, his three, three circles of separation just now. There you go. Had a very Misfits look to him. And like this one, because we're meeting Doc Ock and he's got the uh, more metal or I guess punk look on himself. Very strong guy. Yeah. Okay. It, all, all the characters are dubbed that way. And so like most of these characters we met before, I do not actually remember if Daredevil was in there or not. So I think the epilogue at the end was to give us a Daredevil story, because I don't necessarily remember her from the first book, but Anarchy was there, and at this point, we're basically taking a batch of the characters that are kind of the Young Avengers and using them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, fit-wise, I don't know if you call it a Spider-Band. It would make more sense as a title for what happens in the book, but I'm not sure if that would sell the same way. No. So, uh, that part, I... The, 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 the dynamic is definitely there. And like the stuff with Chichala and Sheree, or Re, no, Chichala and, what's his sister's name? Sheree. Sheree. Gosh, that was hard. Well, Riri and Sheree, those are close. Yeah, well, two, two different ladies. Whenever she's there, she's basically chastising him the whole time about destroying things and breaking things and having to rebuild his tech and how much they hate doing it. And you can't keep doing it. So I think that's going to become a, sh- a line to make him a more downplayed power source wise. But it was neat to see those characters too. And build that world to be bigger than what it was. Uh, this was a six-part miniseries, also, from what I remember. So maybe you see, see the end of it. But yeah, I give it a three as well. I think that's it we had for books. That's it. Um, Mr. Brown, do you have any uh, game news? Um, no. I'm playing Tekken a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna go see Dune this weekend. I'm really excited about that. That's a big topic on the movie theater scene. Super excited. Absolutely stoked. Um, 
I think that's it. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is still being shellacked by critics and 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 fans alike. Super super sad to see. All right. Uh, so what'd you learn today, Mr. Brown? You know, I had what I learned, and I was supposed to write it down, and I forgot. I don't know what did I learn. I forgot. Oh, what'd you learn? I, that's not how this game works. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mr. Scott, what'd you learn today? Oh, man, when you find a fake foot, don't assume that it's uh, fake. Good call. <laughs> that is very true. Mr. Brown, you got a, you got another thing with the... Uh... Oh, that omnibus and the... Uh... And the uh, uh, Marvel DC crossover, and you said that Marvel was purchased by whom at that time? Oh, Toy Biz. Toy Biz. I did not know that. Ah, uh-huh. I knew they didn't own it, but I didn't know who owned them. So, that's- yeah, no, it's a it's a real thing. Now, was Toy Biz a store? Was they like were they like a Toys R? Toy Biz made action figures. Yes, yeah, like a brand. Uh-huh. Okay, gotcha. What did I learn? Uh, you learned about the Kingdom Come. Oh, that's true. That's a real thing. Yep. That's very possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was hoping I learned it was always good to bring a steak with you to the junkyard. Always. Now, you <laughs> would be that guy. That's if we true. were in a junkyard, CBS would be like, uh, duh, there were going to be dogs. You want to throw a couple sleeping pills in Yeah, the Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. You would be the guy with the steak. We'd go. <laughs> always prepared. And then you got a steak. There's no dogs. That's right. That's true. Not that, prepared. It is very true. Don't eat raw steak, kids. No, not at all. My God, such a bad idea. <laughs> such a bad idea. Don't eat floor steak or nope. raw steak. All right. Well, from there we do some books to watch. Do you guys have any books in your radar? I don't. Mr. Scott, you got any books you're reading that you think people should read? Uh, well, big fan of uh, the uh, Zoe Thorgood um, hack slash. So that just came in, issue three. Highly recommend it. Can't wait for the next issue of that. The art's great. The story's great, even though it's not. Uh, I've usually been uh, pretty anti, you know, issues of that that weren't uh, Sealy. But uh, in this particular case, I, I fully endorse it. So, and then, uh, I can't think of what else is coming to mind. Um, I just finished... Uh, Ennis is um, Ribbon Queen, and I mean it's Ennis. So if you're a fan, you're a fan. If you're right. not, you're not at this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, yeah. Sorry, that's all I can think of right now. No, it's good. That's good. I can't get over last week's, which was the hand. I'm still, <laughs> still super in love with that book. Though, yeah, the, definitely the one hand. Yep, the one hand. That's one of the best things I've read in a long, long time. No, definitely good. Well, the Six Fingers come out now. Which is the second half of that storyline. Um, not yet. I'm so surprised you have it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. It's a busy day. It, that's true. Um, as far as... So many comics. So many comics. Also very true. Uh, as far as other books to watch or books to look look out for, we're getting we're getting ready to get a batch of new series come out through DC here pretty soon. We're going to be doing a Robin the Boy Wonder, just titled Boy Wonder. That's going to be a Damien book. Uh, so it's supposed to be Black Label, so we'll see how that goes. So I think that'll be neat. Um, that's real new, like, it, what what is known about it. So I I think that'll be cool just because it'd be neat to see a overly edgy Damien where he can do things that are overly edgy. You know I love Black Label stuff. Right. So I think that'll be cool. Um, as far as, like, other series, Gods from uh, Marvel is still great. Jonathan Hickman. And yeah, issue two and three introduce new characters, but that's 
building the story. So I'm still pretty stoked with that one. Um, if you guys read Ultimate Spider-Man and you're worried, know that Jonathan Hickman's good. If you didn't know that before, well, you should have. Because he's really good. Uh, but that that one's definitely been cool. I mean, as far as other series as Fallout-wise, I mean, we just had number 350 Spawn come out. Which is going to be leading us to some other stuff because we're getting a Sam and Twitch miniseries. So, if you like the uh, detectives from uh, Spawn, I would say those that'd be a cool. One. It's supposed to be a miniseries, but I think that'd be cool to check out. That's, I think that's basically all I got. Piece wise, I mean, I know there's other things, but whatever. Sure. Uh, so with that, I guess that's it, guys. Everybody like and subscribe and follow. You can check everything out on the uh, top5comicspodcast.com website. Uh, but if you know people like podcasts, like comics, and you've been around this long, send your friends too, because maybe they like what you like. Hopefully. That's a thing. That's why you're friends, right? Um, yeah, Taki? Taki! Taki.